Well, hey, my name is Shane Drury. I'm blessed to be the high school pastor here at Bay Life Church. And as you all have heard and probably know, Travis Slow, the college and career pastor, is in Scotland uh, with many of your companions on mission for the Lord right now. So I'm blessed to be with you here tonight. And we are going to start off and, and kick off this new one week series. All right. It's going to be an epic one week series called Give Thanks. And so I want to start off by pulling the crowd a little bit over two questions, two simple questions. One is, I'm curious, how many of you have spent most of your life living in Florida? Raise your hand. Okay, okay, probably a majority of you. Um, The the follow-up question that I would ask you is, how many of you have been at some point in your life to Disney World? Raise your hand. Okay. Again, uh, probably majority of you in here. So I, I didn't grow up in, in Florida. I haven't lived most of my life in Florida. I've uh, moved around some, but I was born and raised in Illinois, which is where I've spent most of my time. Also lived in Kentucky for a few years, lived in Missouri for several years. Uh, about three years ago, we moved to Florida. Uh, before this, we were living in Illinois, and we have four kids, and they are 10, 8, 8, and 6. And so we, uh, before we moved here, it was three years ago, so they were, they were obviously all three years younger. And I can remember my wife and I having conversations at times, thinking to ourselves, man, I really hope at some point before our kids get too old and too big, we can take them at least one time to Disney World right? But man, that's hard to do when you're a bigger family uh, on a pastor's salary, living far away, because you got to pay to travel down, which is not cheap. And then you got to pay for multiple day tickets for six kids, which adds up really fast, as y'all know how expensive Disney is. And then you got to pay for a place to stay, And then you got to pay for all the food. And it's like, you just keep hitting plus on the calculator And it becomes like this astronomical number. And so we thought to ourselves, man, wouldn't it be great if just one time we could take our kids to Disney? But we really didn't know if it would ever happen. And then by uh, the, the grace and goodness and sovereignty and providence of God, we landed here about three years ago. And uh, last year, uh, we decided that we would take uh, our vacation fund and some other money that we had been kind of blessed and and given, and we would take that money to buy passes at Disney. Uh, Now, they weren't like the the full-fledged annual passes, right? Like that would have taken me selling my house and both my cars and probably my dogs too to be able to afford like the full-blown passes. So we were able to buy what is called like the Florida resident weekday select passes, if you know what that means. So basically you can go Monday through Friday. You can't go on the weekends. And there are some some other times and months that they block out, like June and July, they block out. Who wants to go to Disney in June and July when it's like a million degrees anyways, right? So they block out like all of the, the, the high busy times on the weekends and in the summer months. So you can go Monday through Friday. Now, for our family, that worked really well because I have Fridays off and we homeschool our children. So we would often finish school a little bit early on Friday and get in the old minivan and drive over to Disney for the day and for the evening. 
And so um, by the end of the year, okay, by the end of using our, our Disney passes, um, we went more than once, okay? Uh, my wife and I estimated at the end of the year from kind of calculating and counting up that we went to, to Disney that year um, somewhere around 40 times, all right? 40 times, which is ridiculous, I know. Never thought that would be me, that I would be a regular at Disney. But it's interesting, once you've been many times, you can see right away kind of who the first timers are and who the regulars are. You know what I'm saying? Like the first timers, you see them and they just have like this look in their eyes. Like everything is so magical to them and they're just kind of so in awe of everything. And they're taking pictures of, of everything, like the tiniest little things are taking pictures. They've got their, their Mickey ears on, right? They've got their maps and they're walking around looking at their maps and they're buying all the food and they're waiting in all the lines and everything. Like those are the first timers. Then you got the regulars. The regulars, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we, we, we've been a lot of times, so we don't need a map, right? And uh, we, don't need, we don't need the food. What we're going to do, on the other hand, is, is get the biggest stroller known to man. Not so much to push our kids. I mean, that's part of it. But we're going to take that stroller and we're going to load it up with multiple meals, okay? And multiple snacks and drinks. Because when we go to Disney, we're literally not spending a dime the whole entire day there. Because we've got everything we need in our refrigerator stroller. All right. And so we're not, we're not buying the food. We're not waiting in the lines, man. When the fireworks come, yeah, they're great, but we've seen them a lot of times. So when everyone's walking towards the castle, we're walking the opposite way, fighting the crowds. Why? Because that's when the lines are shortest, right? So you've got your, your first timers and you kind of got your regulars. Now it got to the point where at one stretch we were going to Disney uh, so often that I can remember one time on a Friday asking my kids, hey, you guys want to go to, to Disney today? And they were like, hmm, I don't know. Is there anything else we can do? And I was kind of like, wow, I can't believe this is happening right now. And so uh, the worst was uh, probably not long after that, we were at Disney one day and we were pushing the giant stroller through the park. And my, my middle son, Simeon, he's a twin. I was probably seven years old at the time. We're walking through the park and he gets this really grumpy look on his face as we're walking through Magic Kingdom. And he says, I'm bored. I'm bored, he says, walking through Magic Kingdom. And so I stop what we're doing. I get down on one knee. I grab him gently and lovingly by the shoulders. I look very fiercely and intensely into his eyes. And I say something like, son, 99.999% of the children in the world today would love to be here. So you should not be complaining. You should be thankful. You should be thankful, right? But here's the thing. We had been so many times that he had lost the magic some. He had lost the awe, right? And sadly, I think the same thing can happen for us with God. See, many of us, we have known God for so many years now. And we have been to church so many times and we've heard about God and we've experienced his blessings, the blessing of salvation, the blessing of grace, the blessing of mercy. And we've been exposed to him and experienced his blessings for so long 
that we've, we've kind of maybe lost the awe of who God is and what he has done for us. And as a result, we're not thankful that we often find ourselves complaining, discontent, and ungrateful. And so my hope tonight, as we look at the Psalm that we're going to look at, is that we would remember uh, kind of freshly and anew the greatness and the majesty of who our God is and what he has done for us. And that it would drive out our complaining, ungrateful, discontent spirits and replace them with a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving. And so if you have your Bible, you can flip to Psalm 136 with me. Psalm 136, it's a great psalm. It's a classic psalm. I'm guessing that you're somewhat familiar with it. Um, Psalm 136 is is actually a hymn. It's a hymn uh, which calls the church to give thanks uh, for, for who God is and for what he has done for us. And we see in the second part of each and every verse in Psalm 136, the same phrase is repeated over and over again, which is, for his steadfast love endures forever. And so the psalm was probably sung with a priest singing the first part of the verse and then the congregation responding with the second part of the Lord uh, of the verse uh, for his steadfast love endures forever as a way of giving thanks and praising God. And so we don't know who the author of Psalm 136 is. Uh, we're, we're uncertain about that. But what we can be certain of is that the psalmist, he knew the enduring steadfast love of our great God and he was in awe and he gave thanks to our God. And so uh, as we kind of dive into the passage tonight in in verses uh, one through nine, we see the psalmist uh, doing just what what we've been talking about. We see the psalmist uh, calling the people to give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for he is loving and he is almighty. And in the same way, we should give thanks to the Lord for he's good. He is loving and he is almighty. So uh, look at verse one through three with me. We're going to break this thing down a little bit. Psalm 136, verse one, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. And so let's break down verse one a little bit to, to kind of get us going here. It starts off with these words, give thanks, give thanks. When we hear the word thanks here, what thanks means in kind of the original lang- language is uh, giving thanks is it's a, a form or an expression of praise. Okay. So it's an expression of praise for someone for maybe attributes that they have, or maybe for some powerful acts that that they have done. And so we give thanks. We give an expression of praise for who they are or for what they have done. So who is the psalmist calling us to give thanks to? Well, he says, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. And you may notice here um, on the screen uh, or in your own Bible that the word Lord here is in all caps, okay? The word Lord here is in all caps. And and this this name of God is the most holy and personal name of God. It's the name that God uh, kind of ascribes and gives to himself in Exodus chapter three, when Moses asked God, who should I tell the people has sent me? 
And God says to Moses, uh, he, he, he gives himself the name Yahweh, which translates I am, meaning he is self-existent, meaning that he is absolute, meaning that he is ultimate. And so he says, I am, he says, I am, meaning I am the eternal one. I am the infinite one. I am the unchanging one. I am the self-sufficient one. I am the holy one. I am the righteous one. That's who our great God is. Now it's hard for us with our kind of finite and created and dependent minds to fully wrap our minds around how God is ultimate and how he is absolute and how he's self-existent. But one thing that I think, one way of thinking that kind of can help us grasp it more fully, which normally I wouldn't ask people to do, is to kind of get a picture in our mind of who God is, okay? And kind of where God is. And so this is what I want you to do right now. I want you to kind of get a picture in your mind of uh, of God and where he is before he created the heavens and earth in Genesis chapter one. So everyone close your eyes just real quick. I won't do anything weird to you, I promise. And before Genesis 1-1, before God created the heavens and the earth, just kind of get a picture in your mind of, of God and where he is, okay? I know it's kind of a weird thing to do. Okay, you can open your eyes and, and look up at me. Uh, usually when you ask that question, most people will, will kind of get this image in their mind uh, of God, whatever you pictured, like floating in black space, kind of, right? I don't know if that was you or not, Erica. It looks like it was you. You're smiling or laughing, kind of. <laughs> okay, but here's the crazy thing, right? Is that black space didn't exist because before God created the heavens and the earth, it was only God. And so theologians would say, where was God before he created the heavens and the earth? He was everywhere and he was nowhere at the same time. He was, or as God would say, I am, right? That's the the majesty and the greatness and the mystery of our great God. And so that in itself should be enough for us to give thanks and give praise to our great and almighty God, right? But the psalmist doesn't stop there. I mean, he could have just stopped right there. Give thanks to the Lord, all all caps, drop the mic and been done. And we could have spent the rest of our lives giving thanks uh, to, to our great God. But he gives us more, thankfully. He says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For he is good. The word good here means full of generosity full of generosity. So not only is the Lord self-existent and absolute and ultimate, he is good. He is full of generosity. And we are so blessed because of that. But how so? How, uh, how is he generous? How does he express that? Look what it says in the next part of verse one. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. And so God is, he is good. He is generous because he is loving towards us. And it's not just any love. It's a steadfast love that endures forever. And so we, we see this, this phrase in the Old Testament, steadfast love. And it's two words that in the original Hebrew are combined, uh, really come from one word, uh, which is a powerful Hebrew word uh, called hesed. And it's referring to this, this powerful covenantal love. 
It's an unfailing love. It's a loyal love. It's a never changing love. It's a love that's not dependent upon our obedience in any way at all. Um, It's kind of like, um, although it's much greater, it's kind of like the love a father on earth would have for his children. Now, as I mentioned, I I have four kids um, and I love my kids, right? I love my kids, but I have rules for my kids and I have rules for them because I love them, right? They don't always understand that or get them, but that's why we have rules uh, because, because we love them. And I don't know how many of y'all out there have, have children or, or how many of you want to have children, um, but I'm going to attempt to persuade you tonight to have this rule for your children to preserve your sanity, okay? This is a major rule in our house, which helps preserve our sanity. And that rule is no chanting, all right? No chanting ever in any form. And so what happens is, especially with four kids, we ask our kids, where do y'all want to eat tonight? And one of them inevitably will say right away, Chick-fil-A. And then what happens? You have four kids going, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. And like, I want to pull my hair out. I have already. It's gone because of the chanting that takes place in my house. Or we ask, where do you all want, where do you all want to go? What do you want to do today? And inevitably, a kid will say right away, Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck. Do you all know what Chuck E. Cheese is in its original language? House of Demons, all right? <laughs> Avoid it at all costs. It will, it will make your fear, it will make your soul fear. And so this chanting will break out with children spontaneously all the time. And so we have this rule, no chanting to preserve our sanity. But inevitably, occasionally our kids will either forget or just be outright disobedient and they will chant. And I will come close to losing my mind. But you know what? I still love them and I'm still going to love them. And it doesn't matter what they do or how far they run or how greatly they disobey me. Yes, I will be heartbroken, but I will still deeply, um, unfailingly love them. And, and that's just a small picture of how great the Father's love is for us. And I know y'all have heard it, and I know y'all know this, but man, don't allow uh, yourself to lose your awe for the covenantal love that God has for you. Be in awe and be thankful and be grateful and allow that to drive out your spirit of of discontentment and ungratefulness and ungratitude. And so those are some reasons we have uh, to to thank and uh, to to praise God. But we see in verse two and verse three, uh, some other reasons as well. This is what he says. He says, give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. So the the psalmist calls God the God of gods and the Lord of lords. See, he is supreme. He is above all and he is beyond all. And there are none like him. How so? Well, thankfully the the psalmist uh, He kind of explains one way that he indeed is supreme and above all and beyond all in verse four. This is what it says in verse four. He says, 
to him who alone does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever to him who alone, who alone, he is the only one, right? To him who alone does great wonders. The word wonders here, it means marvelous acts. And so what we see the psalmist do here in verses five through nine is he looks back to the beginning of creation at these marvelous, wondrous acts that only God can do. When God created things like the heavens and the earth and the moon and the stars. And that's what we see him say in in verses five through nine. He says, and for to him who alone does great wonders. I'm not gonna read the second part of all these verses uh, so you kind of catch the flow a little bit more. To him who alone does great wonders, to, to him who by understanding made the heavens. Verse six, to him who spread out the earth above the waters, to him who made the great lights, uh, the sun to rule over the day, the moon and stars to rule over the night. See, it's, it's God alone who does great wonders because it is God alone who can create. Now we can take, uh, we can take the things that God has created and we can modify them and we can kind of morph them and we can kind of combine them to, uh, to, to make some pretty cool and interesting things, right? Like iPhones, computers, cars, fill in the blank. Um, but, but we're not really creating anything, right? We're just using the stuff that God has created to morph and change to make something. So the question that, that comes to my mind is, so where did God get the stuff to create the stuff, right? Y'all with me there? Where did God get the stuff to create the stuff? Um, things like galaxies and universes and planets and mountains and oceans and hippos and giraffes. Like where did God get the stuff to create the stuff? And incredibly what we see from scripture uh, is that God created all of these things. He created everything that we see in our entire universe. He created it out of nothing. Because as we talked about before, before God created, it was only God. And he spoke and things began to come into existence. He created everything out of nothing. I'd like for us to try that tonight. All right, so take a hand and, and, and empty it and just kind of hold it out before you, all right? So, so take an empty hand. Uh, y'all let me know what's in your hand right now. Nothing, okay. Uh, try to take what's in your hand and create a hippo. Ready, go. No? Okay, maybe that way doesn't work. Let's try to speak something into existence. How about a planet, all right? It's your opportunity to create a planet. Think what you would maybe name it, right? Try to speak it into existence right now. Ready, go. <laughs> Someone named their planet, planet. All right, awesome. Way to go. It's not gonna happen, right? It's not gonna happen. Again, I'm guessing for many of you, this is a truth that you know and that you're aware of, um, but don't let it lose its magic, right? Don't let it lose its awe. Be in awe of our great God who alone does marvelous acts and be thankful that not only did he choose to create you, but he chose to create you in his own image. 
um, to know you and to have relationship with you if you're in Christ Jesus and allow that uh, to move your heart to a place of gratefulness and thanksgiving. Don't lose the all. Don't lose the all. And then um, what we see in, in verses 10 through 25, it's kind of this big chunk of verses where uh, the psalmist, he kind of looks back and he remembers how God had delivered the Israelites and how God had provided for the Israelites in many ways. And as he remembers how God delivered and God provided, uh, it moves him again to a place of thanksgiving. And in the same way, uh, I think we need to, at times, we need to look back and we need to remember uh, things that God has done for us, uh, how he has delivered us, how he has provided for us, uh, hoping that it will move us to a place of gratefulness and thanksgiving. Uh, Listen to what it says uh, in verse 10, and we'll just finish out the rest of the chapter here. And again, I won't read the second half of the verse uh, to to try to kind of catch the flow here. This is what the psalmist says. He says, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, to him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, to him who led his people through the wilderness, to him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, a Sion king of of the Amorites and Og king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his, his servant. I love these next two verses. It is he who remembered us in our low estate and rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever. And then in verse 26, it's kind of a concluding verse. He says, give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. And so what we see here is that the psalmist, he looks back, he looks back and he remembers how the Israelites were once enslaved by the Egyptians for hundreds of years. But then God in his enduring love, he sends 10 plagues upon the Egyptians. The last plague being the death of the firstborn of all the Egyptians. And as a result, Pharaoh decides to, to free the Israelites and let them go. And the Israelites start to get out of town. Um, but soon after Pharaoh changes his mind, right? And he sends his, his chariots and his fierce warriors after the Israelites to bring them back. And as the, uh, the Egyptian armies are closing in on the Israelites, the Israelites begin to approach the Red Sea. And it looks like there's nowhere for them to go. And it looks like it's over and it looks like there's no hope for them. But God in his enduring love, he tells Moses to stretch out his hand over the sea. And God parts those waters into two and allows the Israelites to pass over on dry ground. And then he, he causes the waters to combine again and sweeps away Pharaoh and his armies. And again, I know y'all know this, right? Some of y'all have heard this since you were five years old. You've seen the old school movie, right? And you've seen the VeggieTales version and you've heard the story told in every way you could possibly hear it be told. But can I encourage you tonight don't lose the awe. Don't lose the magic, right? Of Moses stretching his hand out and those waters parting into two and a million Israelites crossing over on dry ground. Incredible how our God is a deliverer, uh, how he is a savior and a redeemer.
And so uh, he not only parts the sea and allows them to cross through, but as the Israelites march through the wilderness and as they complain and as they grumble and as they're unthankful and ungrateful, God doesn't abandon them, right? He doesn't abandon them because of his steadfast love. And he continues to lead them and he continues to stay with them. And he delivers them to the promised land and he conquers their enemies and he provides for them and he meets their greatest needs. And so we see here in Psalm 136, the psalmist, he looks back at our great God and the great things that he did for his people, how he delivered them, how he provided for him. And it caused the psalmist to give thanks. You know, as I said, I think we need to do the exact same thing. We need to uh, often look back and remember uh, who God is and how he delivered us and how he provides for us to bring us to a point of thanksgiving. Um, I remember for me, uh, th- this happened in a really a kind of intense way uh, a few years ago. Um, my wife and I were, were in Illinois and uh, we went back to what's kind of my home church. Uh, it's a church called First Baptist Church in good old Pekin, Illinois. All right. And uh, I didn't really grow up going to church at all. But when I was a junior in high school, a friend of mine invited me to her high school ministry. And uh, after going for, for several months at the end of my junior year of high school, uh, by, the, by the grace of God, through the teaching of his word, I realized that I was a sinner, that I was in need of a savior, and that only through faith in the death and resurrection of God's son, Jesus, uh, could I be saved and could I be forgiven and reconciled to God. And when I was 16, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ on a Wednesday night at First Baptist Peak in, in, in the youth room uh, and, and probably April or May. And man, I hadn't been there for, for years. And uh, several years ago, my wife and I, uh, we were back in the area. And so we attended a, a Sunday morning service there. And then after the service was over, um, I walked her to the youth room. We walked upstairs and we walked up into the room, like all these memories are, are coming back, right? And I, I walked her over like to the exact spot, uh, to the exact chair that I was, was sitting in that night. And I, I said, right here, it was right here. I was sitting right here when I was 16 years old and God did a mighty work in my heart and he completely changed the direction of my life and the, the purpose of my life as he called me to salvation. And see, he, he remembered me in my low estate, right? That's what the psalmist said. He remembered me in my low estate and he delivered me from my greatest foe, which was sin that night. And as I sat there and thought about that and remembered that and reflected upon it, man, my eyes started to fill with tears. I just with a spirit of gratefulness and thanksgiving for how God had delivered me and how God had provided for me in such a profound and mighty way that night. And he continues to do so uh, for all of us. 